Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with Josh Turner. Josh is the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Connect and Booked, and he's the founder of Link Selling, which is a B2B marketing firm that specializes in outsourced LinkedIn lead generation campaigns. And they represent clients like Neil Patel and Microsoft and a whole host of others. Um, and if you haven't found his book, you need to go find it. And we'll, we'll tell you more about that later. But uh, Link Selling operates linkeduniversity.com, theappointmentgenerator.com, a bunch of online training programs, and they do it for you. And, uh, and I'm really excited to have Josh here. Uh, we've known each other for a while, um, and uh, I, I really believe in the, the stuff that you guys are doing on LinkedIn. I think it's, uh, it's sometimes the kind of a forgotten platform with all the focus on Facebook. But uh, for those of us selling B2B, it really is, I think, the most valuable tool. So welcome, Josh. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, right? Yeah. So, to, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, who you are, but let's let's dive into kind of the real backstory of how you got to this point in business, because um, I'm pretty sure you probably didn't like wake up one day and just say, hey, I'm I'm now a LinkedIn expert. You didn't graduate from college for that. So how'd you get to this point in business? Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't like, a, you know, when I was four years old, I realized LinkedIn was really <laughs> where I needed to focus my energy. Right. <laughs> no, I, I was um, before starting this company, I was a CFO of a construction and manufacturing company. While I was working at that company, I had started using LinkedIn really pretty early on in, in LinkedIn days. And I realized that you could use this tool for business development. And I was connecting with all sorts of people that would be good clients for the company that I worked for, good referral partners like architects and, you know, things like that. And so I built up a pretty good network and started um, to see kind of how LinkedIn could really be used in a very powerful way, aside from how most people use it, which is basically nothing more than like an online resume or a Rolodex. And um, fast forward to 2009, that company was hit pretty hard by the downturn in the economy, was forced to shut its doors. And I had the decision to make, go find another job somewhere, or go out on my own. And I had really been itching to do my own thing for a while. And so I did. So I started working as an outsourced CFO. And one of the things I started doing right away that was really the only thing that got me results was tapping into LinkedIn and going out and connecting with more prospects. And I really just, I took it up a, a level. I started really um, getting focused. I built a LinkedIn group. I was connecting with lots of people. I was really putting my name out there. And it created this real like flywheel momentum uh, effect. And I started getting lots of leads. I started getting lots of referrals from people that didn't even know who I was. At the time, I was 29 years old. And uh, when you're a 29 year old who is trying to put himself out there as an outsourced CFO and most of your clients are, you know, older gray haired men and things like that. Right. And, and women, you know, it's hard to gain credibility. And within six months of starting the business, because of the presence I created for myself on LinkedIn, I was getting referrals into businesses from people that I, I hadn't even heard of before and didn't even know because they were just seeing all of the stuff I was putting out on LinkedIn. And, and I realized that I, I had something pretty powerful here. And one of my clients that I was doing finance work for asked me if they thought, if I thought that this LinkedIn system I had built for myself would work for them. And that was really a light bulb moment for me that I bet there are other businesses that could use this system. And I saw that in the social media landscape, what was being taught was really a bunch of fluff and 
frankly, just BS that just wasn't actually stuff to move the needle. It was like spray and pray and like posting content and just like really soft stuff that might have a place, but it wasn't the stuff that was going to generate leads consistently. So I thought that I had something special. I, I helped this first client generate over 30 million in sales uh, through the LinkedIn system that I was using. And uh, from there, I, I said, I bet there's more companies that would be interested in this. I built linkedselling.com in 2011, and the company has really taken off since then. We've been on the Inc. 500 two years in a row uh, these last couple years. And what we do is, is we specialize in helping business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, sales and marketing leaders to utilize LinkedIn to position their brands as leaders and experts in, in front of their target market and really build lasting relationships by doing things the right way, not taking shortcuts, not being what we call a leg humper who connects with people on LinkedIn and then immediately sends them a sales pitch, but really building <laughs> relationships with people because I that's I got what one moves of the needle. Morning. Yeah, well, we, I probably got five of them this morning. You know, I, I know how it is. But we we found that when you do things the right way and you take the you play the long game, your results are dramatically greater over time. And that's what we help our clients do so that they can have a consistent flow of appointments and leads coming in off of LinkedIn uh, week in and week out. And so we have a, a agency side of our company that we do that for people. And then we have a training program called Linked University um, where uh, we teach people how to do it themselves. So that's pretty much it. That's awesome. So uh, clearly it wasn't a straight path from, uh, you know, birth to where you are now. There were some some uh, challenges along the way. What are some of the things that, that you've drawn on, maybe particularly as you had to make this jump into entrepreneurship when you lost, you know, the job because the company went out of business? Yeah. What are some of the things that you really kind of looked to to give you strength, push you through, keep keep you staying persistent? Well, at that time, it was in those days, it was like a survival mode mentality where you just you have to be laser focused on the goal. That was a very traumatic experience with the company closing in 2009. A lot of great people lost their jobs. There was a lot more that, that went on that I won't get into. It was, it was very traumatic. But the um, at that time, you know, you can either wallow in it or you can push through it and stay focused on on whatever your next step is and that's what i chose to do um and you know i just had to be focused on because at the time i didn't have like a bunch of money in the bank i think i started the business with five thousand dollars in my bank account and a couple credit cards to work with i didn't have a huge runway so i had no choice but to be laser focused on what do i need to be doing every single day to uh, put myself in a position to to get some clients signed and that, at the end of the day, that was my focus. And these days, you know, it's not a survival mode mentality as much for me. But, you know, when growing a business, um, as you know, there's lots of ups and downs. It's not a straight line all the time to, to the magic promised land. You know, you got sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. And um, there's two things that I really find have been big for me. And one is that I have to really remind myself that where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. This is what's going on right now is what's supposed to be happening. There's no changing it. And this is this is the path I'm supposed to be on. And all of these things that are happening are happening for a reason and are going to really make me and make the company stronger in, in the long term. 
And the second thing that I have to do is I have to take care of myself. And by that, I mean, I have to work out, I have to eat right, you know, stay away from, you know, drinking too much or anything like that. And, and really just live a, a clean lifestyle because I find that for me personally, if I don't work out, if I'm eating poor, you know, if I'm, you know, having a couple beers at night, you know, the next day, my, my mindset's just not where I need it to be, you know? So for me to be at like a peak mental state so that I can be as sharp as I can possibly be so that when really, you know, when negative things are happening, uh, or when things aren't going exactly as planned that, you know, I have the energy and the strength and the fortitude to not let that affect me because my mind is sharp. I'm energized and I've got the, I've got the ability to push through those things and, you know, to really have the clarity to see all of the great things that are happening, even when there's some negative things happening. Cause you know how it is. Like we have a tendency as humans to focus on the negative you can have um, uh, so many great things happening, but then one little negative thing can happen that can just put you in a terrible mood. You know, and I, uh, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else when it comes to that stuff. And I, I really have to just remind myself of all the amazing things that are happening in business and, and in life and you just kind of get recentered when, when shit like that happens. <laughs> well, you know, I think, um, you know, it is so easy to, to focus on that negative stuff and get sucked down into it. But, and, and I don't think anybody's immune from that. I think the difference that you see in people is, um, you know, some people will spend a lot of time there and others will come out of that really, really quickly. Uh, I'll never forget. I was, um, back probably around, you know, 2009, 2010, when things weren't going so well for a lot of people, I was at a conference and Dan Kennedy was speaking and he said, you know, whatever's happening in your world, that's bad. That's great. If you want to wallow in it, that's fine, but schedule it, like put your, all your wallow and all that in this little box and give it about 15 minutes and go in your room and cry about it. And then when the alarm goes off, the 15 minutes is up, you're done, get back to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think there's, and as funny as that is to say, I think there's a lot of, of wisdom in that and just being able to recover quickly. Um, you talked about, you know, exercise and, and, and diet and all that other stuff. And you're the first person I've interviewed over 40 people and had a, a similar conversation with them. You're the first person that's mentioned the physical side of that. And I think that's critically important. I mean, our, our energy is really the resource that we have. That's the one renewable thing that we go out and we create with. We use that energy to create in the world. Um, and and uh, uh, to me, that that's the one most important thing to pay attention to. Uh, but it can be also the hardest yeah. to pay attention to because it requires some some discipline. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I, I, th so there's a one way I think about it is that there's like varying, there's like a, a, a spectrum that you could be on of health, right? And it's from, I'm in like peak physical condition, I'm totally tuned in, high energy, etc. to then like when you're sick, and you're on the couch, and you're totally incapacitated, basically, right? And then, um, so the last time I was at that bad end of the spectrum, was uh, I had some sort of a sinus infection or something that I didn't treat for a couple weeks, it got way out of hand, I ended up on the couch for like a week. And, um, you know, in that state, my mindset was terrible. And it really, it, it just showed me of, of like, you know, that, that experience for me really um, taught me that like mindset and health 
are very much correlated and that I have to, to be able to run my company at the highest level, I really need to pay attention to, um, you know, just trying to stay healthy and, and, you know, keep my body at a level of being able to perform high. And, uh, so for me, you know, I'm not perfect or anything, but I try and work out every morning. I try and eat right. I don't punish myself too much. Um, you know, you gotta have some fun every once in a while, but it is something that's super important to me. Well, that's, I think that's great advice, and I appreciate you sharing that. We're going to be right back with more from Josh Turner. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review. Rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon. Welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm talking with Josh Turner today. And uh, Josh, uh, you guys have just so much going on. You've had unbelievable growth over the last few years. What's uh, what's the big push right now? And, and what are you guys really working towards at, at Link Selling? Right now, um, we're in a phase of really focusing in on the core things that are going to really make the biggest impact for our business. And, you know, over the years of growing um, at a pretty, pretty good rate, um, you know, we've, we've, you know, you don't get on the Inc. 500 without having like pretty significant growth. Um, and along the ways, we've tried a lot of different things and tested different things and rolled out new programs and this and that. And over this last year, our, our, biggest focus has been um, identifying the things that are really moving the needle for us and focusing in on those. Because if you've got too many things that are all your number one priority, none of them are going to get to the level or achieve the, the growth that they could if you were just really, really focused in on one or a couple of them. You know, And that's that's something that we've we've learned, and so for this year, we've got uh, three core programs. Um, essentially, the, the 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 ones that I chatted with you about at the very beginning that we're really putting all of our energy into. Um, and I've I've learned a a great lesson along the way in business that the ceiling for what we can achieve is so much higher than we think it is. Um, and when you surround yourself with other people who are doing big things and you hang out with people who are at the level that you want to get to, you, you start to realize that. And that's something I've realized over the last few years as I've seen our company grow to levels that I, when I was, you know, starting out a few, you know, five years back, I didn't have expectations that we would create a business that could get to this level. We have 39 people that we employ in our company and it's uh, it's really just an amazing thing. And so I look at our business now and I think that We've got to this certain level, but there's still so much more potential out there. So many more people that haven't even heard of our business that should, that we can help. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what our focus is right now. So going through such rapid growth, how has that changed you or how has it forced you to, to change and grow? I mean, it's very different starting off kind of doing, you know, a, a solo business where you started, right? And, and delivering all the service yourself. And now you're a CEO with a team and, and a lot of fast growth. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple things. One is that, um, I spent a lot of my time in marketing and sales. 
because I've learned from businesses I was a part of that failed that, you know, if you're not bringing in new prospects, if you don't have a marketing system in place that's going to continue to bring people through the door, you're in a real, real, uh, you're, you're, you're putting your business at risk because just relying on word of mouth or referrals that come in happenstance. And I know, Steve, you have systems for how to really generate mm -hmm. referrals like on autopilot in a way that most businesses aren't doing. But the way most businesses just kind of sit around and, and wait for referrals to come in, word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera, most small businesses at least – you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And so I spend a lot of my time in sales and marketing to make sure that I don't repeat that same mistake myself. Um, I would say the second thing that I've, I've um, realized is that, you know, in E-Myth, they talk about the different roles that you have to play as an entrepreneur. And that is your, I believe, in your infancy when it's like just, you know, when it was just me working by myself out of my house, I had to do all of those things. But as the company grew just a little bit, I realized that I can't, I can't do all of those things and I have to surround myself with really, really great people. And, you know, we have an amazing leadership team at our company that's allowed us to get to this level that there's just no way in hell we could have gotten to without them. And, you know, probably the, the biggest, the most critical role that we, we have in our company is the role of COO. Because if you're gonna be the CEO, you need somebody else who's going to be the integrator, as they call it in E-Myth, so that you can be the visionary and do all the different things CEOs are supposed to do. And in our company, that's been critical. We have a very strong COO who is able to do the things within the company to keep the company moving, all of the operational things, client fulfillment, et cetera, et cetera, so I can stay very focused on the other side of the business and um, you know, working on the future and where we're going new marketing strategies and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So that, those are some of the biggest lessons I've learned along the way, but you definitely, if, as you're growing your business, you have to really be ready for the challenge of changing, uh, of how you're showing up and what your responsibilities are in the business. And so you have to, you know, for me, I have to, um, I have to consciously work on things like tending to the culture of the company. It doesn't come natural to me. Like working on that stuff isn't like, you know, I'm, I'm a ex finance guy, you know, things like culture and stuff like that are just, it's just not second nature for me. Um, so it's, it's still a learning experience. Um, but at the end of the day, I find that when we treat people right, um, a lot of that stuff takes care of itself. Yeah. Well, I think the, the ability to go find and, and select and bring in good people, um, is it's such a multiplier in a business. And, um, and you know, it's funny, a lot of businesses just, they completely ignore it as, as a real tool. They see employees as, as a cost, as a, a thing that they need to, they got to have them and it's sort of a necessary evil. And I've always looked at it the other way. Um, and I had in my first business, we were, you know, we were much bigger in, in terms of size because of the service we were delivering. And, you know, having those key kind of management roles so that as the CEO, you can be out there and working on the future, um, I think is, is probably the key move that separates people who stay small from, from ones who grow. Because if you don't make that move, if you can't have somebody sort of minding the shop while you're, you know, you're out creating the, the future, 
it's it's just impossible, I think, to to really have, you know, a leg on each side of that fence. It's just too hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're running a marketing agency. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people that are, you know, we, we, we have a lot of common friends in the industry, Steve, and I hear from a lot of people often who they, they, they hate, you know, the done for you model, as it's called by some people. And I think that the problem is, is that if you, it, there's two things that most people don't, don't get right, which causes them to hate it is, is one what we just talked about. They don't have that integrator, the person to really, really take care of the operations side of that. And then two, they don't have it systematized. And so that when the clients come on, it's just a repeatable process. And, the, and those two things, I think, you know, you could really say that about any business, but especially if you're running a marketing agency, um, you know, because you know, doing client work, as you know, Steve, it, it can be tough. Yeah, you know, we earlier this year we launched a done for you service around you know our specialty, and um, and and we we did it out of necessity. I mean, because the clients that we were working with, while they loved the approach, struggled with doing the work, which is I'm sure what you found as well. Um, yeah. And you know, because it's not their expertise. And I started thinking back. My you know my first business was in engineering and. You know, all of our clients hired us and we had clients for life, like 25 plus years where we had, you know, a single client paying us every month for that entire time, you know, and, and we had lots of clients that stayed. I call them clients for life. I think to get to that point, you've got to, you got to create a situation where you're plugged into their business. And the best way to do that is to deliver them a result again and again and again that they really need. You know, it's one thing to show up and have ideas and advice, and that's all valuable, but if you can get yourself in a position where you're delivering the result for them and you're taking that headache off, it's pretty hard for them to turn it off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely what we've found. Um, if you can find something that they know that would generate lots of value for them, but they don't want to actually do the work, uh, there's a, there's, there's a, probably a great business in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, the, 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 the dirty businesses, uh, philosophy. I know all kinds of very wealthy, very successful entrepreneurs who are doing the, the dirtiest of all businesses that most people wouldn't want to touch, but they're just sitting back smiling and laughing, carrying, you know, buckets of money to the bank every day. So there you go. Um, you know, you got to get in and do the dirty work. So let's talk a little bit about um, link selling and linked university. Um, I know you guys have sort of focused some of the offerings um, going into 2018 and um, and so if, if somebody's listening to this thinking, yeah, I, I think LinkedIn is probably the place for me. Um, I guess maybe start with who, who's the best fit to, to be marketing on LinkedIn and, and how, how should they get started? What approach should they be taking? Well, who's the best fit should be, I mean, if you're listening to this and you, you probably already know whether or not you should be doing it, but at the end of the day, if you can go on LinkedIn and you can do a search for the people that you want to be doing business with and you can find them there then you need to be figuring out how to tap into that. That's the biggest problem that, that people come to us with is they see all these prospects sitting on LinkedIn that are just the perfect fit to do business with. And they're just not sure how to even start with approaching them. And so if, if you go on LinkedIn and you can't find anybody that looks like a good fit for your business, then don't, don't do it. Otherwise, you probably should consider you know, getting something going. And, you know, what, what do you do to start getting something going? How do you start putting the pieces in place? 
Well, there's a couple things that I would say. The first thing is to go back to what I just said, have a really clear picture of who you want to go after. You can't just, if your criteria for who can be a good customer or client of yours is just way too broad, then you're going to struggle. And the reason is, is because on, on LinkedIn to really break through, you need to be positioning yourself in a way to where the prospect who's just perfect for your services, when they see your information come across the screen, when you reach out to connect with them, when they see the LinkedIn group that you're the founder of, they need to think that th this person is really speaking my language so that they want to connect with you, so that they want to see the content that you're putting out, so that they are incentivized to want to stay connected with you over the long haul, continue seeing that content so that you can stay really top of mind. So that then when you start reaching out behind the scenes and start implementing some of the messaging strategies we teach, that they are, they're going to be open to having a conversation with you because you will have really positioned yourself in, a, in an amazing way. And that all starts with being very clear about who you're going after. Because if you're trying to go after all people, then you can't create a message that's compelling to any of them. And that's that's the foundation of, of you know where it all starts for us. And Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you probably see that with a lot of your clients, too. The most yeah. successful are laser focused. Well, you know, we we go through this with every client and I'm sure you do, too. They almost all come in with this really broad definition of who they want to work with. I call it the heartbeat and wallet definition. You know, they come in and say, well, a, a really good prospect for me is anybody that has a heartbeat right now and has a wallet. If they can spend money okay. and they're alive, I want them. And, you know, then, yeah, that's a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's not far off of what most people come in with. But man, I'm sure you guys see this. The instant you can get them focused, which is a difficult conversation to have, but the instant you get them focused, they speed up because focus gives you speed. It focuses all that energy on a target and, uh, and, and it's just so much easier to get results. And so the big fear we see with people is, you know, they, they come in thinking they have this big, broad, wide market. And we're telling them, no, 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 no. You want to really narrow that down as much as we possibly can. And I've yet to find a market that's too small. I mean, we haven't been able to define one that's that's too small yet. So, you know, when you get focused, man, it, life just becomes easier. You only have to have one message. It's really easy to figure out what the message is because you're focused on such a tight group of people and stuff just starts to work. Um, and but but this fear of giving up all this other perceived opportunity that's out there by narrowing, I think gets in, in a lot of people's way. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. No doubt about it. And, and the, there's a number of ways you can go about doing that. And we talk about a lot of those ways on the on the master class that I was hoping, you know, I'll share a link with folks in a little bit. Um, we've got a free workshop where we teach a lot of these strategies in depth. But I know there's probably some people see, hearing this who are thinking like, okay, that's that's great. I have a, I'm really focused. I've got my avatar. You know, now what do I do? And then what you need to be thinking about is how can you position yourself so that when you reach out to a prospect, they see you as somebody that's going to be adding value to their world, and that is a, a leader in your market, somebody they will want to connect with, and not somebody that's going to start trying to sell them something. All right. Because that's that's really the 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 thing you want to avoid the most. To put it plainly, is when you when when somebody is when you reach out to somebody on LinkedIn. Because that's a big part of our strategy is getting connected with people that don't really know who you are yet, and then building a relationship with them. So the how do you get connected with them in the first place? Well, how you don't get connected with them 
is having your profile set up in a way where they see, you know, a red flag coming across the screen right away. And they see that, you know, somebody that looks like they're just going to start pitching and trying to sell on them. And so, you know, what are some examples of that? Well, you know, in the IT space, for example, LinkedIn is notorious for, for IT companies, you know, uh, basically just spamming people on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So if you're an IT company, you're thinking, how do I differentiate myself from this? Well, one of our clients is, is a guy named Tom Swip, and he targets and works with manufacturing companies. He builds ERP systems, does software development, all sorts of stuff for them. And so instead of reaching out to them as, and, and positioning himself on LinkedIn as just another IT company, we helped him create a group on LinkedIn called Midwest Manufacturing Leaders. And now because Tom's headline on LinkedIn shows him as the founder of Midwest Manufacturing Leaders, when he reaches out to CEOs and CFOs of manufacturing companies, they are much more open to connecting with him. Like it, the difference is 20% connection acceptance to 50%. It's like a massive increase as a result of this strategy. And you can apply that kind of thinking in really any, any sort of market that you're in. And it comes back to having a philosophy of positioning yourself and putting content out there that is based on what your prospects actually care about and not just constantly talking about what you do. Because the CEOs of manufacturing companies are not interested in immersing themselves in content about IT stuff. It's like a small sliver of what they care about. But when Tom is sharing relevant content on LinkedIn and dripping out status updates and postings in LinkedIn groups, et cetera, on a variety of manufacturing topics, all of these CEOs and CFOs of manufacturing companies that he's connected to see value in this content. They see his name on a very regular basis. They see him as a leader in the space. And then when he works the messaging strategies that we teach to line up phone calls with them, uh, he gets a very high percentage of people saying that they're interested in having a conversation. And at the end of the day, that's what we do. Well, and I think it's a brilliant strategy. Um, and it's one, you know, as, as folks know, um, that we use, we've talked about it before. Um, and, uh, and what I love about it is that it, it turns you into like a good citizen on LinkedIn. You know, you're not one of these sleazy, you know, kind of creepy people that show up with an in mail that, you know, you, it's clear they're trying to sell you something. Um, right. I get these connection requests all the time that, you know, the minute that you accept it, then, you know, that person is, is, pitching you on business. And I'm like, like I had one the other day, <laughs> like, did you even read my profile? He re referenced the fact that it's, you know, really great to, to meet somebody else from South Florida. Well, I live like 400 miles away from South Florida, you know, like read the yeah. profile, um, yeah. you know, and just simple stuff like that. But by adding value, um, I can tell you what we've seen with it, our, our lead flow through LinkedIn. And it's one of the, the, the three big places that, that we drive leads um, is, has been dramatically better because, um, you know, we're reaching out and we're, we're being valuable to folks and, and we're showing up in a way that says, Hey, we're an authority here. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's just dramatically different than what most people are doing. How much business would you say that you've generated off of LinkedIn? Oh gosh. Um, I think we've been doing this for two and a half years now, something like that. We're, easily into the six figures and probably multiple six figures yeah. directly off of LinkedIn. 
Uh, maybe awesome. more than that. You know, for a while we were running ads, not not just following this process, but we were running ads in conjunction. Sure. So from the ads as well, um, you know, probably probably another three or four hundred thousand dollars. That's great, man. That's awesome. I should do an interview with you sometime and do a little case study <laughs> on what you guys are doing. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it works really, really well. So Josh, where's the best place for people to go? Where can they, you mentioned a masterclass, sure. um, where can they go and watch that? Uh, if you go to linkeduniversity.com, uh, and then on the homepage there, you'll see a big picture that's got an invitation to sign up for that free masterclass workshop. It is a three hour uh, workshop where we dive into three different strategies uh, for really getting some great results on LinkedIn. And we start from ground zero all the way up to more advanced strategies for folks that are more experienced with LinkedIn. Um, but if you're just getting started, uh, there's a lot of great stuff in there for you too of how to really put the right foundation in place and really, really get things rolling. So that's that's probably the best resource that I can point people to. And I'd love to have anybody sign up for that that's interested. Perfect. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, I recommend everybody check it out. It's uh of all of the stuff that's out there on LinkedIn, and there's a lot of garbage out there, the stuff that I turn to again and again and that, that we send our clients to uh, is Josh's stuff. So uh, they've got a great process. Josh, thanks so much for being on today. It's uh, It's been a pleasure to invest a little time with you this morning and, and uh, always valuable. Thanks again. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Steve. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.